Welcome back, everybody, to a special episode of the Untangling Election 2020 podcast, your semi-weekly podcast keeping track of the 2021 Canadian federal election. Today, as I mentioned a millisecond ago, we have a special episode lined up for you. Instead of talking about the juicy campaign developments of the past few days, we're instead going to be doing a bit of a guide on how to vote in in these elections, as well as answering a few common questions we've had ourselves as voters or we've frequently gotten asked by our peers. This episode is also presented in partnership with the University of Waterloo Political Science Students Association, uh, who is graciously uh, lending some of their expertise and wisdom to this episode. So if you're tuning in from there, well, thanks for joining us. And without much further ado, I suppose we'll get into it. So joining me today as, I guess, the designated or the ap- appointed representative from the University of Waterloo Political Science Students Association is Sav, who you might have heard before in this podcast. Tell us about yourself, Sav. Who are you? Where do you lean ideologically wise? How are you joining this election? Hello, my name is Sav. I'm a fourth year political science student at the University of Waterloo, specializing in Canadian politics and minoring in gender and social justice. Ideologically, I lean more left-leaning, and this election has been interesting, and it is quite unique to all the others, which we'll get into more with the podcast. Yeah, and I myself am Simon. I am a former president of the Political Science Student Association at the University of Waterloo, which I guess in my in my youthful days was something I was quite proud of. I still am. I thought it was a great time. Um, anyways, I graduated from the University of Waterloo about a year and a half, two years ago now. I just finished with a master's degree, and I'm hopefully going to be starting work in the near future, so I'm excited for that. I've always really ha- had a pretty big interest in Canadian politics and just politics in general. However, I am an immigrant to Canada, and I still am in the process of getting my Canadian citizenship. So while I'm very good at advising people how to vote, I'm not very good at voting myself because I'm not allowed to yet. <laughs> so... <laughs> I am a good voice on that how to advise people, and I'm a very neutral voice as well. But as for the actual voting part, I haven't done it yet, but I'm really looking forward to doing it someday in my future. Sav, before we get into it, you are representing the Political Science Student Association at the University of Waterloo. Do you want to tell the kind listeners really quickly, perhaps, who you are, what you do, and where they can find more about your organization? Yeah, for sure. So I'm the VP of Design with the Political Science Student Association at the University of Waterloo. Uh, the PSSA, as we like to shorten call it, it represents all political science students at the University of Waterloo. We do amazing things like election viewing parties, which will be coming up soon. Uh, meet the Prof. So we have that in Jeopardy form on the 15th of September. And we, we just host events for, for all political science students that that are either politically related or de-stress related. So it's a it's a great organization. You can follow us on Instagram and Facebook at uw.pssa. Yeah. 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 No, I, I think that's that's about it. I've, they're typically very busy, or at least I made them very busy during my reign there. Right, Seth? <laughs> yes, you most definitely did. As, as being in this position for the past three years, I could say that Simon was uh, the, the most uh, most enthusiastic about hosting events. I think we did 11, so I think almost one a week during the entire year, <laughs> which I'm quite proud of, but regardless. Well, I think one of the reasons the PSSA was really keen on doing an episode with me on this topic is because when you arrive at university, a lot of people who are first year are actually voting for the first time ever, and it can be quite imposing of a scenario. Do you want to maybe relate maybe your first voting experience off? How did it go? 
Yeah, for sure. So my first federal voting experience actually happened on campus, and this was for the 2019 election. And so what was great about that at the time is that you could actually vote on campus. And so I decided that I was going to vote for Waterloo Region head up to the SLC, the second floor of the SLC, and cast my vote. And what was also great about uh, my first time voting experience on campus and being surrounded by students, unfortunately, we can't do that necessarily with COVID this time, is that the PSSA hosted an election viewing party. And it was a lot of fun. I think we also hosted a debate, didn't we? That night was really busy. That Because we hosted, we had a debate viewing party, but mm-hmm. we also had the election viewing party. But beforehand, we, we did a panel, a panel yeah. which most of you guys jumped out of but regardless it was still very interesting (laughs) but that's a great thing about the pssa is that we provide a lot of information a lot of activity around the election season which is in part why we're doing this uh podcast today to help you be a little bit more informed before going off and hopefully casting your ballot if you're eligible and that'll also be the case for for September 20th this year, we're going to be doing a panel with Dr. Emmett McFarland, Dr. Anna Esselman, and Dr. Jerry Boychuk for an hour and a half. And then we'll do be doing a viewing party until 12 a.m. So come on and join us for that for that exciting night. Yeah, and I, I can attest that is a pretty star-studded lineup as when it comes to Canadian <laughs> politics. It's tough of the crop, you know. I maybe I'll sneak in myself via maybe an illegally sent link towards me. <laughs> I'll, <laughs> but, I'll finesse you the link. Yeah. <laughs> uh, anyways, heading to election twenty twenty one. Why should people vote? Why is this election different than any other? Or is it just an election people should just vote? Or what's what makes it stand out to you, Sav? I'm definitely of the proponent that everyone should be exercising their right to vote if they have it. Unlike Simon, if you're a Canadian citizen, you can actually go out and vote. Um, No offense, Simon, but (laughs) this is a good jovial band. We we know each other well. Um, But I think that everyone should go out and vote. And I think the, the biggest thing to remember is that so many Canadians are eligible to vote. If you were of, if you were of the age of 18 or over, and you are a Canadian citizen, you have the right to vote. And you can vote in many different ways. You can actually go and formally abstain if you wish. And that means that when you go and formally abstain, you're saying, I'm exercising my right to vote and to not vote as well. So some people do choose to do that. I don't think a lot of people do, but it is still an option. I've chosen to do that several times during the Fed's elections. Because I think it's... (laughs) Don't laugh. But anyways... uh... Regardless, I, I think part of voting is exercising the right to vote, even if you don't agree with the candidates. Because in my opinion, if you don't vote, you give up any right to speak about politics, the state of governance in your country until the next election. So yes. in my opinion, even if you go and spoil, spoil your ballot, which is, I guess, the fancy way of saying of abstaining your vote, I think it still shows that you still had an opinion on the choices there. And I think it's still better than just not voting whatsoever. So you really, really do strongly encourage anybody who's able to vote to go out even if it's just to spoil your ballot, to go out and do that. Because that just shows you're involved in the democratic process. You have some thoughts. Absolutely. And you were talking about people who are eligible, which doesn't include me. Can you kind of illuminate who is actually eligible? Maybe I actually am, Sav. Well, no, like like I just said, it's it's people over the age of 18 who are Canadian citizens. No matter where in Canada you may be, you may even actually be outside of Canada. You can still vote in this election. Um, and I can't preface that enough that I think if you are eligible to vote, you should go and extend your your right to to vote. 
But how how should you vote, Sav? Can you outline maybe the different ways of voting and how you would go about doing it? And I can sprinkle in some tidbits of knowledge, if applicable. Yeah, for sure. I think the standard way of going out and voting is uh, registering to vote online at electionscanada.ca. Um, and all you have to do is input your information, your first name, your last name, um, your residence and address and proof of address. And then you will get a voter information card in the mail. You take the voter information card. You'll see on the back of it, it'll tell you what your riding is and what polling stations are available to you. So a polling station is where you go and you actually cast your ballot. You make the vote itself. But before you go to a polling station, make sure you have your voter information card and at least two pieces of government issued ID. So that could be a passport, a driver's license, a health card. Um, And in some circumstances, a student card may be accepted, but it's better to go with government issued ID. I actually read up on what ID is accepted because I knew this might come up and it's kind of tricky. So there's three categories of ID. First is legitimate provincial federal issued government ID. So you technically only need one of those, but you should just bring two to be safe. Uh, So that includes health card, driver's license, passport. I was going to say permanent resident card, but you guys wouldn't have one. Uh, So (laughs) stuff like that. Uh, So that's like the official official. Uh, That's the gold tier that you want to bring. But let's say you forgot one. Maybe one got shredded accidentally. I don't know what could have happened. There's a second tier. So this is stuff that has your address and your name on it. So this could include a copy of your rent. It could include um, official, I guess, like a tax form, maybe even that got sent to your address, which shows the the address of where you live as well as your name. Yeah, stuff like that. And then there's a third tier. Uh, Can you guess what that tier is, Sav? It's actually just having someone and advocate on your behalf. Um, So if you live in the same household as someone that is registered to vote or does have the appropriate uh, documentation, all you need to do is I think you still need to have some sort of form of ID with you. But this person can advocate for you and say, I, as a Canadian citizen, affirm that this person lives at this address and they are who they say they are. That's always an option. It actually makes it quite accessible for for more people to go out and vote if they don't have the appropriate documentation. And how difficult is to actually like fill in the ballot if we're allowed to talk about that? That's a good question. So I actually went and I voted the other day and we'll get into advanced pollings uh, really soon. And it's actually quite easy. All you need to do is you need to, you'll see a list of four to five, maybe more, maybe less um, names. You'll see the names are of the candidates with their party affiliation underneath. And then you will see a circle to the right of that. You just have to fill in an X in the circle of the of the row that correlates with the candidate in order to have your ballot be valid. However, I will say if you go <laughs> if you go beyond the circle of the ballot, your vote could be inadmissible or if it's not clear to some degree. So make sure you just give a solid X in the ballot and you should be okay. But there are circumstances where you may need to write in the candidate's name. And I suppose we'll get into that more with mail-in ballots. Mm-hmm. And also, it's fairly easy because I think you only have like five or six main choices on that ballot, right? Yeah, depending on your writing, you could have somewhere of six, somewhere of three, but mostly probably around in the four to five range. I remember I did vote once. But that was in the Netherlands in their federal election. It happened to be there when they were having their 2021 federal election. And their ballot had, I kid you not, something like 380 names on it. Because they 
they don't do a by by region voting. It's literally a list, and you just choose the person you select your vote oh. for out of all the candidates. Oh no, I didn't like that in Canada. <laughs> <laughs> there might be actually circumstances though that so this election is a little bit different. I suppose again we'll we'll get into that, mm-hmm. but there might be circumstances where a municipal election might be going on at the same time as a federal election, and so what you'll actually see on the ballot is. I've never been in this certain situation, so I can't speak from personal experience, but this is what I believe to be true, is that you will see a section that is dedicated for the federal election and then a section that is dedicated for the municipal or provincial or whichever election is also occurring in that neighborhood or region, or they're two separate ballots, but I'm pretty sure they're on the same one. Yeah, I think that's just to save paper, I guess, you know. Yeah. environment <laughs> but yeah regardless uh, talking about saving paper do you want to quickly run us through uh, mail-in voting yes so mail-in voting is very similar to how you would register on electionscanada.ca um, but you would register and ask specifically for a mail-in ballot and a mail-in ballot just means that they will send the government of canada will send you a package meant for your specific ballot and because it's very generalized it won't be specific like i was mentioning earlier to the candidate's name of your region you will actually have to write out on the piece of paper the ballot that you get it will be blank with a with a large line and you will have to write the candidate's name that you are specifically voting for please make sure when you're doing this that you spell the candidate's name correctly and that your writing is legible because that could mean that you're If it's not, uh, your ballot could be inadmissible. And what you would do from there is listen to the instructions that came on the package, put it back in the mail, and send it off to Canada Post, and you're on your way. Your ballot's on your way, which you actually have till September 14th to do. So if you don't register before that time, you will not be eligible for a mail-in ballot. So talking about September 14th, that's also the deadline to ask for a ballot to be sent to you if you're living outside of Canada as a Canadian and you want to vote in selection. So you should request that, I think, electronically before September 14th, and they'll send one over to you if you're living abroad. Um, Yes. But September 14th is also another important day because guess what else closes on September 14th, Seb? Isn't advanced polling closing on the 13th? Do you want to run us through advanced polling and exactly when it closes? Definitely. Um, so according to Simon, there are some regions that it still accept uh, advanced polling till the 14th. I think the vast majority of them are the 13th. But advanced polling basically means that, okay, if you know who you would like to vote for, here's three to four days a week before the election occurs for you to go out and uh, to a polling station and be able to cast your ballot and submit your vote. They do this in a way to make sure that Come September 20th, which is the election day for uh, this 2021 Canadian election, that the the polling stations aren't incredibly overwhelmed. A lot of people think that September 20th is the only day that you can vote when, in fact, you can vote earlier. And advanced polls tend to be way less busy than going on election day to a polling station. So if you're interested in getting your vote quick and quick and done out of the way and you know who you would like to vote for, then you go to, you can have the option of um, voting in advance polls. Yeah. I just quickly check it. They do close on the 13th. So I, so believe, I was right. <laughs> yeah. And they close, I believe at nine ish or so, or pretty yes. early on. So advance polling stations have been open from the uh, September the 10th from 9am to 9pm 
all the way to the 13th of September from 9 a.m. to 9 p.m. I've also searched up real quickly to correct myself, but they do close on the 13th. So by the time I finish editing this and get it all up, you probably have until the end of Monday too, or the end of today, I guess, if you're listening to the day this releases to submit your vote. So I guess we've gone over most of the more popular ways to vote. I think all the ways to vote. What should people know when they're filling their ballots? Because you talked about how the ballot looks, right? But what should they know about the components? So what is a writing and why don't I see my party leaders listed on the ballot? Yeah, that's a really good question. I think a lot of Canadians go into the ballot box and are so confused when they get there because they don't see Justin Trudeau or Jugmeet Singh or Aaron O'Toole on the ballot itself. And how Canadian politics work is that we actually vote for representatives from our region to represent us in Parliament. So that means that we have a specific electoral district. And because of that, we don't actually end up voting for our, our party leaders unless that party leader is running for our specific electoral district. Um, so, for example, I'm in the riding of Aurora Oak Ridge's Richmond Hill, and the liberal candidate is Leah Taylor Roy, whereas someone who is going in voting liberal might expect to see Justin Trudeau. It's actually the liberal candidate for your riding specifically. Riding and electoral districts are both terms that go hand in hand. It's basically a term to just describe the region in which you're in. Yeah, I guess talking about this party stuff, that kind of moves us on, I guess, beyond the simple voting questions to more of like the minutia, the, the strategy behind voting, if you will. And I think that's what we all love as PISA geeks to call strategic voting, which was all the rage. I remember, I think strategic voting was its worst back in 2015, where... Yeah, I remember everybody was like, anybody but Harper or anybody but conservatives. It was a very big sentiment amongst the liberal-minded crowd. But regardless, we should talk a bit about what strategic voting is and how it kind of works. So I'll maybe jump in real quick on this, but and you can correct me later on, Sav. But strategic voting is basically when you have perhaps a really tight race in your area. And let's say the conservatives uh, have maybe... I'm not explaining this correct, am I? You're you're doing a good job. Basically, strategic voting is if you, let's say you're an individual who wants to vote for the NDP, but one of the main basis of your ideology, you say, I don't want the conservatives in power. And then you go and you look, you see that the previous election that you that you currently have a liberal incumbent, an incumbent means a person who is currently in the position, who is the member of parliament for your uh, riding, is a liberal. You see that and you say, okay, maybe it makes more sense for me to vote liberal because as much as I want to vote for the NDP, they may not have a chance of winning. And if I vote for the NDP then that could also give the conservatives an opportunity to win. So someone who may very much so dislike Justin Trudeau could vote liberal instead of voting NDP because they want to prevent a conservative from gaining power. Yeah, and likewise, I guess in the right term of the political side, you could vote maybe conservative instead of PPC because it's still somewhat right-leaning and it still reflects some portion of your belief rather than feeling like you're wasting your vote. Where I was confused, uh, I'll probably keep that embarrassing edit in there, but <laughs> there's also a second way of strategic vote. And that's, I think, more common towards us students who are a bit more transient by nature at this stage in our life, where 
let's say you live in a district that always goes one way. Uh, let's let's say let's say they always vote the Bloc of Ecuador for some reason. But you are a very staunch, very staunch Green Party supporter, and you just happen to be living or studying in Toronto Center. Uh, Toronto Center, let's say that, for instance, you might instead say, hey, parents, I'm not voting in my Bloc Quebecois riding back home. I'm going to be voting instead at the place where I'm studying, where my apartment is in Toronto Center, and using that address to vote there for the Green Party instead. Uh, counterintuitively, a student might say, hey, maybe this writing where I'm studying, oh, it's for sure going to go Green Party. I'm going to go home and vote Bloc Quebecois because I think my vote has more of a difference uh, to be voted there. But do keep in mind, you have to be presently either doing that via advanced polls, I believe, or you have to be physically going to that location. Yes, um, you could, depending on depending on where you're registered to vote, you could register to vote. If you're not already registered to vote, you can register to vote in the uh, riding which you're currently living in, or you could register to vote where your driver's license might be registered to. Um, so it really depends. But like what Simon was saying, it's basically saying, where does my vote have the most amount of value? And again, like Simon said, if you if you're a green supporter, you go to Toronto Center, they have more of a chance there. Your vote is inherently more valuable if you are an avid green supporter. And again, this like Simon was saying, it's this can be applied to any any political party um, that you align with. Yeah, I think we just defaulted to green because it's a pretty decent example of a tight race that is a bit more known in the public mind. <laughs> For sure. That's actually what I did um, in this past election. I saw that there was a closer race in the riding that my mom lives in that I do spend half of my time with. Um, I saw that that race was much more close and that my my ballot actually was much more valuable in Aurora, Oak Ridges, Richmond Hill than it was, let's say, where my dad lives in Toronto, where I also spent half of my time. Yeah, as I always say, just submitting your ballot to any cause, you're still voting. So if you exactly. just want to vote, just do that, right? <laughs> I think that I think the biggest thing to preface too about strategic voting is that you can choose to vote however you choose to vote. Some people vote more strategically, some people don't. Some people say, I really align with this party, or even I really align with this candidate in my region, and this is how I want to vote no matter if they think they have a good chance of winning or not, which is all completely valid. Yeah, and I mean, it does make a difference even if you're, I guess, supporting a party which has no chance of winning that riding. So, for instance, to bring the Green Party up again, because they're a very good example of this, well, they only won, I think, three seats at the most uh, last election, they still got about around, I believe it was 5-6% of popular vote. And that is enough for most people to take them very serious as a political party. So just seeing those levels of support, and I think something likewise may happen this year to PPC, um, that might validate their status as a political party and just, you know, enhance their claims to be present at debates. Because as we've seen this year, the PPC was excluded based on their support seemingly being too low. So Exactly. And to kind of jump off of what Simon's saying, too, is that Polling, and we're, we're about to get into polling, but polling can only meet... Actually, I'll bring this up in the polling section. No, no, it's a good point you mentioned about polling and stuff. Because one of the things everybody loves to do is gawk at the polls. And, you know, the ones provided by CBC, I guess, like the Nanos polls also, the Ecos poll, like all the different polls that you see in the news about how much support each party has. And as, political, as a political science student, I myself love looking at those numbers too. Sav, are you hesitant to look at these numbers? How much value do you place in polls in general? 
I'll say I'm definitely someone who avidly loves election seasons and I look at the polls every single day. Um, mind you, what I will say is that sometimes I actually take the polls with a grain of salt. I am of the perspective that at the end of the day, we only know what the results are going to be when the results are in. And so as much as people can predict, there have been more times than that where the polls have been proven wrong. So it's not to say that we should completely disregard them, but we should also maybe not put as much of an emphasis as we do on them. It, it shouldn't be just the main driving factors to how you vote is based on who's in the lead and who's supposedly in the lead in your in your writing. Yeah, and I think it's also really important to read the details of the polls because different polls track different things. So like the CBC's poll tracker, which everybody glances at, isn't really a poll in itself, but just an aggregate poll tracker, which takes together all the numbers of everywhere else and says what the average kind of is. And so because it averages out, it's a bit less reliable to see the minutiae as maybe a particular poll might be. But then again, every poll itself also has a specific range uh, where they're correct or not correct within. So most polls have about like a 2 to four, 5% fluctuation. So that actually means if like two candidates are within 5% of each other, the poll can't actually accurately tell you who's in the lead, so it's technically a tie, which nobody ever notices, and which is why we get a lot of people saying, oh, the pollsters are wrong. It's <laughs> just the media kind of blowing it out of proportion. I think the important part to remember too is that depending on what polls you're looking at, the CBC, I would generally say, is a very good outlet that strives to be uh, as nonpartisan as possible. That is, some people can disagree with that, but generally speaking, they are. Um, but there are other polls that have other political leanings. So it's really important to keep that in mind when looking at polls. But what I'll also mention about polls and what we were kind of speaking about before about when it comes to strategic voting is that there are times where if if people enough people vote with their conviction and not based off of strategic voting, we'll actually see an outcome that de- really defy, uh, defies what the polls were saying. So, for example, in the last election in 2019, um, in the riding of Kitchener Center, where the liberal incumbent won, the runner-up was actually the Green Party who outperformed the Conservatives and the NDP. And that's something that wasn't shown in the polls beforehand. So it's really good to keep in mind that if there is enough conviction around a riding and around a candidate, these things can definitely shift. So the polls aren't always the ultimate predictor. Yeah, I know, especially if you want to watch some funny videos tonight, there's some really good compilations of the entirety of the American political landscape being wrong about polling before the Trump election results coming in. So yep. history has proven pollsters wrong many times. So basically, it's just a nice indicator to somewhat track popular support or sentiment within the country on the data polls issued. But beyond that, don't look too much into it. But if you do want to look into your the parties a bit more, learn a bit more about how who the parties are, where they stand, Sav, what should people look for? Where should they be looking at? That's a great question. And I think the biggest thing when looking at party platforms and looking at a candidate to vote for is to really, one, ask yourselves, what are the most important issues to me? Is it climate change? Is it the economy? Is it immigration? Is it healthcare? Is it Indigenous relations? And if those are the basis of, or one of those ideas, or multiple of those ideas are the basis of what's really going to make your vote, the best thing to do if you're wondering about which candidate to vote for is actually give it a good simple Google search. Look at who the candidates are in your region. 
If you find that there's a specific candidate in your region that resonates you with their individual platform as well as their party's platform, and based off of the issues that matter most to you, then that works for you. But another great resource that you can use to go to the CBC's website where they do an overview of all the party's platforms and based off of the issues. So they have separate sections for immigration, uh, climate change, the economy, indigenous affairs, foreign policy. And what they've done is they've lined up all the party's positions in a short paragraph to tell you the gist of what um, each party stands for. But there are ways in which you can expand on that by actually looking at the party platform. And I'll let Simon take it from here. Yeah, but I also want to really quickly mention the government of Canada itself also puts out a little quiz where you can fill in where they ask a bunch of questions and they align you with which party uh, best uh, suits you. That's pretty cool. I think I've done that a couple of times. It actually can be quite helpful. I think it's a great starting point and then maybe transitioning to CBC. But I, I did it myself, even though I can't really vote. And I got a really middle of the road result, which I'll share with you later, Sad. It's kind of funny. It sums me up well. But uh, regardless, if you want to go a bit more in depth, which I would encourage you to, every major parties has now, looking at the Liberals and Greens, has now released a platform. Uh, so their platform is basically what they're running on this election. So it's kind of like, I wouldn't say it's like the, your Bill of Rights, but it's the fundamental principles they believe in and what they'll be looking to put into action over the next four years if they form government, or what they'll be advocating for your behalf on, even if they don't. I think the best way to start is just to skim through the table of contents, as it always is. Uh, Just find out what immediately pops out to you, what sections grab your attention the most, and then navigate to them. Skim it a little. Most of these are pretty easy to read. They have a few main points highlighted for you. And I think what's most important, especially if you're an undecided voter, is to put the platform side by side. Try and isolate... If this section is really what jumped out to me, so let's say you're really interested in like housing or something, you'll be able to find where housing is on each platform pretty easily. Just read over what each party promises side by side and see kind of what appeals to you, what as a voter seems like a good idea to you. And then from there, maybe do a bit more research on your own. Go out. And I mean, if you want to be really advanced, watch the debate, see how that aligns with their platform. See if when they speak these words, which are in the platform, do you trust these people? Do you think they'll be a good leader for you? How do you think they'll perform for you in action? And I know... The English language debate wasn't the most exciting thing on the planet when we watched it the other day, but it still shows that it's still a good way to kind of meet your candidates, but still, you know, just visualize them as your leaders. And I think kind of what I was saying a little bit earlier and to piggyback off of what Simon was saying is that let's say you look at a party platform and I think we can generally say, let's say the NDP and the Greens have very similar perspective on, let's say, climate policy. Maybe not exactly the same, but quite quite in the same direction. Let's say you're very conflicted about whether or not you should vote NDP or you should vote Green. You can also look at the individual candidate in your writing for each respective party and see what their platform is and what their real main motivations are. And that could also be a very good way for you to decide who to vote for. Maybe there's a podcast or something which has one of your local candidates on. Not saying that I might not have that in the future, but let's say you have a local candidate on the podcast. Listen to that, maybe. See what they sound like. This is a shameless promotion also for Simon's podcast, which I would recommend that if you did have any questions or wanted a deep dive into party platforms, Simon actually did all of the platforms. So bravo to you, except for the liberals. I did two of them. But you did the Greens, no? Oh, no, you didn't. We both didn't know the Greens released until like... <laughs> two days after a release, which is kind of embarrassing on your part. 
basically what I'm saying is that if you would like to know a little bit more of a deep dive into uh, some of the party platforms, Simon did uh, a couple of them, not all of them, but do check out his previous um, uh, podcast episodes. Yeah, and I mean, it sounds like we're wrapping up, but we're not wrapping up yet. I want to ask you one final thing, and then we have a personal question uh, prepared. But does my vote matter? Not my vote, because I can't vote, but does my hypothetical vote as a Canadian, would it matter, Sav? What do you think? That's a great question. And I, I, I think it's a question a lot of voters and Canadians really ask themselves. They say, well, I'm just one vote. I don't make that much of a difference. And what I would say back to that is that if everybody thought that way, then we wouldn't actually get real change. Um, I think it's really important to remember that, one, so many people fought for the right to vote. The right to vote was not always afforded to everyone. Universal enfranchisement had to be fought for. So, one, there's that. And two, it's our civic duty. It's one of the essential pieces of a of a prospering democracy, if you will. It is one of the greatest things that we have as a Canadian citizen is to choose the leadership that we want in power. And so for those reasons and the fact that your vote really does matter, I would say your vote really does matter. Yeah, and take it from somebody who's living in this country for most of my life and I do not have the right to vote yet. I would love to vote. Vote for me, you know. (laughs) And that's also very true. I think a lot of people um, are on PRs and they stay in Canada for a numerous amount of years and then they finally get their citizenship and are actually allowed to vote and for the things that really do make a difference in their everyday lives. So there's a lot that goes into it. And again, I would say, please go out and vote. Even if you go and abstain, do your civic duty. Anyways, before we end off, because technically the PSSA is helping host this, Sav has graciously prepared a personal question for us to answer today. Fire yes. away. <clears throat> so my personal question is, if you had to pick any of the federal political party leaders in Canada to become the next American idol, who would you pick and why? Or should I say Canadian idol, even though it's not a thing anymore? To bring it, or to bring it back? I don't know. I, no, I Canada's got talent. Fine, oh. the next winner of Canada's... No, no, no. I want it to be like... They want to be the next pop star of Canada. The next That's generation it. of pop star. Jagmeet? Okay, my, my initial thought was... I feel like Trudeau has like some kind of good singing voice. He looks like he could do like the choir boy kind of thing. <laughs> like, he lo- he does seem like in his youth, they signed him up for that. They made him do that. So you're going to go with Trudeau? But... That's thinking like traditional styles of singing, because I know Annemi Paul is from Jamaica, and in all fairness, she's she's born and raised in Toronto Center, um, but she is half Jamaican, yes. Yeah, but I'm just gonna say, do you know the song "Snow" by Informer? Yes, that's <laughs> from that was made by a Toronto native. Yes, so there is some crossover between reggae made in Toronto. So I could see her pulling out a different style of genre music pretty well. Similarly, O'Toole could make the the hippest of hip, like Mark Wahlberg style of rap song. And I could see that getting him through at least one round of American Idol. You think that Aaron O'Toole could sing Good Vibrations by Marky Mark in the Funky Bunch? He could get somewhere. Or at least like a good, you know, Ice Ice Baby, you know. I could see him like mouthing off to that. Yeah. Vanilla Ice is a Trump supporter. 
Uh, I mean, <laughs> yeah, that's true. I, I I would say I feel like O'Toole would not be would not be the worst off musical talent that has ever run as conservative leadership because we've seen Harper's skills at the keyboard and it's not something to write home about. True. Where are you leaning, Sav? I'm curious before I make up my final mind. I think that like Eve's Francois Blanchet could do like a mean like Michael Bublé <laughs> album, you know? Like he could just be that kind of like suave guy talking about, you know, Quebec nationalism whilst, you know, having like a very Sinatra y Bublé vibe to him, you know, be very like very Quebecois by uh, vibey. The suave guy that he is. <laughs> I I will actually disagree with you. I just can't see him singing. I, I can't see him singing. I can see him singing like a good Sinatra song. I, know, I just don't feel like it's in his... I feel like he's the type to appreciate music more than to make it. Mm, fair he's enough. more of a connoisseur, you know? Although I feel like Jugmeat, Jugmeat would do like a really good job at like making like a song that would go viral on TikTok. He could. And I, I guess isn't American Idol all marketing in the, in the end of the day, so. Exactly. Yeah. Jagmeet was probably, Jagmeet's probably the most uh, marketable out of the bunch as a pop singer. Unless, yeah. unless you were allowed to pick former Green Party leader Elizabeth May, when she would just go viral, get her a little drunk, tell her to make fun of Harper, and like, she could go viral just for that, and then her music would then replicate as such. Yeah, yeah. I mean, Green Party leaders, like, I know Jill Stein of the American Green Party used to be in a, in a pretty hip, uh, folky music band, so. That does but, not surprise me. <laughs> yeah, no, I'll, I'll lean, I'll, I know you'll, you'll grab Jagby, I'll, I'll just grab Trudeau, you know, because he, he's won stuff before, I guess, so. <laughs> <laughs> we'll see if he wins again. Yeah, and I guess on that note, I hope you've enjoyed this episode. I don't want to... S- Thank again, Sav, for representing the Political Science Student Association again for this episode. And I hope you've all learned something about voting in Canada. Um, as always, there's some great resources online. Uh, Google always directs you, I think, first result to the Canadian election. And it's a really easy maneuver. I think we did our research in like 10 minutes for this episode. So <laughs> it's it's pretty simple to get through. If you have any other questions, feel free to just maybe send me an email. I can send you a link or something. I can connect you with Sav or some actual Canadians to talk about this with you. Um or feel free to message the PSSA on Facebook and Instagram at uw.pssa. And please check out our uh, upcoming events, especially the election viewing party. Yes, a uh, seamless transition there. So that is what I was going <laughs> for. But yeah, if you enjoyed, yeah, like and subscribe to this podcast as well. And I guess catch you next time. Bye. Bye.